You're listening to the New Song Students Podcast. I'm Jackson, and I'm the student pastor at New Song Church, located in Oklahoma City. We hope this message builds your faith and helps you to know God better in a greater way today. Enjoy the message. Amen, amen. Well, I'm excited for the night, uh, but we've got a word, and I need to know, does anybody in here like God's word? Anybody in here love God's word? Well, I've got an incredible uh, word that I believe is going to launch us into the next season of life that we are all about to find ourselves in. Um, So before we get into the dopest after party that is going to be happening within a 200-mile radius from this location, you feel me? Before we get to that, we need to get into God's word. So I need you to do whatever you need to do tonight to just lean in with me for the next 25 minutes. If that's taking your phone out to take some notes, if that's getting your Bible out, if you brought a Bible, then you're you're a spiritual gangster if you brought your Bible with you tonight. But get whatever you need out because here's what note-taking does. Even if you never look back at your notes, at what we talk about tonight, you simply doing the act of taking a note is putting yourself in a posture to receive something from God tonight. Like, even if you never look back at this message, I don't care. I would rather you still take notes because what it does is it puts your mind, your heart in a posture to receive something from God. And I believe God wants to speak something to us tonight. Amen. And really, I believe it's something strategic, not just for the season of life that we're stepping into, but really the season of life that our world is in. We live in a fallen and broken world. I know many of you have probably heard about uh, the tragedy that happened this, this week uh, in South Dallas, and can I tell you, uh, the reason why that's hap- stuff like that is happening because, is because we have a job to do to expand God's kingdom, and when God's kingdom is not in an area where there are not strong, mature believers in Christ, tragedies like that take place, and you guys have a part to play in not just maturing in Christ for your walk, but to touch other people, and for that to expand and to ripple and to grow the kingdom, and so I believe what tonight What the Lord wants to say tonight is really not just for this room, but it's something that God wants to do to build the kingdom in our city. And so tonight, if you're taking notes, the message is titled SOS. And I'm not talking about save our ship or save our souls. I'm talking save our summer. Somebody say save our summer. Look to your neighbor, say SOS. Write that down. But before we get into this word, let's pray real quick. Let's invite God to ready our hearts and speak to us. Father, I thank you so much for every single heart in this room, every single mind in this room. I thank you that I look and I see a packed house and I see a a packed house full of opportunities for you to drop seeds in people's hearts tonight and for you to water those seeds and to grow them into something beautiful. I pray for every single student in the room tonight and we want this one thing this summer. We want maturity in Christ, God. We wanna look at the, our lives at the end of this summer and say, I, I grew in my faith. I know God more. God did this in my life. And so as we get ready to step into our summer, God, would you save our summer? Would you grow us? Would you take us deeper? And we invite you in to speak to us tonight in the mighty name of Jesus and everybody said, amen. amen. Okay, so save our summer. I need to somebody to let me know if their summer break has already started. Anybody? Y'all a little quiet. I said, has anybody started their summer break yet? Who has not started their summer break yet? We're praying for y'all. Almost there. You know, 
for those of you who are starting, you've already started summer break or you're about to like in a day or two, I just wanna say, I'm really happy for you. Like I'm not jealous. I'm not bitter that you're about to get three months where every single day you get to wake up and think, what am I gonna do today? (laughs) You know, I haven't had that thought in a long time. (laughs) Like waking up and thinking, hmm, I wonder what I'm gonna do today. Like, cause when you're an adult summer, you know what that means? It just means you're doing your normal everyday responsibilities, except now you're sweating while you do them. So I wanna just encourage you right now, soak up this summer, because guess what, I'm gonna warn you, adulthood is coming for you quicker than you think, y'all. It's coming for you like a rabid dog, and it wants you. So soak up summer, okay? Somebody say, soak it up. But I remember, I remember being a student. It wasn't that long ago for me. And I remember, uh, you know, I've never been to prison before. Some of you are like, okay, that's good to know, Jackson. I've never been to prison, but I remember being a student. The last day of school felt like being released from prison. Does anybody feel me? <laughs> It's like freedom, right? Freedom. In fact, that's the word that I think of when I think of stepping into summer. I think of this word, freedom. How many of you would agree with me and you would say, yeah, freedom feels pretty good, Pastor Jackson. Yeah. Who likes freedom? Freedom feels pretty good. And, and you know, freedom is awesome. Freedom is a gift. The ability to, to think, man, what do I want to do today? <laughs> I could have a sleepover with my homies and my homegirl on a a weeknight because we don't have school the next day, right? That's a good feeling. That kind of freedom feels good. And freedom is a gift. But what I believe the Lord is wanting to teach us, to warn us, to let us know about strategically is that freedom is not just a gift, but freedom is actually a tool. Freedom is a tool that God uses to do a handful of things in our life. But we're gonna look at three things tonight that freedom does, that God uses freedom to do in our life. And the Bible has a lot to say about this F word called freedom. Somebody say freedom. Freedom. The Bible has a lot to say about it. In fact, when we look at the Bible, we see tons and tons of stories of people receiving freedom from God, freedom from a bad circumstance, freedom from slavery, freedom from demons, like all kinds of crazy stories of freedom. And here's what we learned. Sometimes the freedom that people received was the very thing that broke them. And sometimes the freedom that people received, that was the thing that made them into who God wanted them to be. So if you're taking notes, write this down. Freedom in our hands will break us. But freedom in God's hands, it will make us. Write that down if you're taking notes. Freedom in our hands, when we take freedom in our own hands, it will break us, but when you place freedom, when you trust freedom, whatever that looks like for you, time, extra time, no schoolwork, when you place that in God's hands, God can do something with that, and he can make something out of it. Now, New Song students, I want to be really practical with us tonight. Whether you call New Song students your home or not, we've got to understand that summer is an incredible gift of freedom that will either make you at the end of summer or it will break you. Summer will either make you or break you. And I understand that not everybody is free on summer break. Some of you are gonna have summer jobs. Some of you are gonna have summer responsibilities. You might have practices, whatever that looks like for you. But I think we can all relate to the fact that over summer, most of us have a lot more freedom than we used to, right? We don't have to focus on the pressures of school. We don't have to focus on the pressures of 
homework. And I believe that God can use this massive gift of freedom to deepen your walk with God. I believe that's God's heart for you this summer, and I believe he can do it. I believe there's some people in this room, and maybe you've been going to church, you've been doing this church thing for a long time, and you're kind of like, I don't really get why we do this. Like, I don't know what this, this whole thing is all about. Maybe you're here tonight, and you actually struggle with doubt a little bit. You're like, I don't even know if this God that we sing about is real. Maybe you're here tonight, and you know in your head that God's word is something that's important, you know in your head that God's word is something you should get into more often, but there's a disconnect because you don't want to do it. Maybe you're here tonight and you know that you wanna learn how to pray like Jesus prayed. How many of you know, y'all know Jesus prayed some good prayers? He connected to his father perfectly and you're like, that's not how I pray. Maybe you find yourself here tonight and you're one of those types of people that I listed. Well, here's my prayer for you. I believe God can use the next couple months of freedom that you are gifted with to give you all of those things that you're seeking. I believe God can do that, but I also believe that this kind of freedom is something that if we don't steward well, we can end this summer and we can look back and be the same person who started this summer. You following me? It can be a completely wasted gift. And I can't tell you how many times that I have said this prayer at the beginning of a summer as a student. Like, God, I want, this summer, I'm taking my walk with you seriously. Like, this is the summer that I read my Bible every day. This is the summer that I walk with God. And then by the end of the summer, looking back and nothing changed. Or maybe I even ended it worse off than I started. Maybe you can relate to me with that. If that's you, that's okay. Because guess what? I believe God has a new mercy for you this summer but we've got to understand how to steward this gift. And so we're going to talk about that tonight. Y'all ready to get into this word? Okay, I'm going to need to crank through this because we do not have a whole lot of time tonight. But if you're ready, say, I'm ready. Okay, so we're going to be looking in Acts chapter 16. So write that down if you're taking notes. Turn to it. Click to it on your phone. Do whatever you need to. Acts chapter 16. We're going to be starting in verse 16. Now, I wanted to read this whole story for you because here at New Song Students, we like our scripture chunky. That's right, we like it chunky, which means we don't just read two verses, we read chunks, but I don't got time to do that, so I'm gonna give you a little bit of a paraphrase and then we'll read some of it. But you're probably familiar with this story if you grew up in church. In this story, we've got Paul and Silas, and they have been found in prison. They are in prison, and it's kind of for a dumb reason. The context of it was they're traveling to a prayer meeting, and on their way to this prayer meeting, there is a demon-possessed girl, and she is demon-possessed, and not only that, but there are people that are using her demon possession to make money. So it's kind of a weird situation. It doesn't look good, and as they're walking to this prayer meeting, Uh, this girl is just shouting out crazy stuff. She's like, these guys are worshiping the son of the most high God. And she's shouting out all this stuff and they just keep walking. And then eventually the scripture tells us, it literally says, Paul got annoyed with her. (laughs) Paul's like, dude, this girl is annoying me. So he turns around and he's like, get out of her, Satan. And he casts this demon out of her, okay? Now, who's got siblings in the house? Some of y'all need to just start doing this with your siblings when they start annoying you, okay? Okay. You just need to do what Paul did, look to your sibling and be like, get out of him, demon. It could work. You never know. It could work. But so Paul and Silas, they cast this demon out of this demon-possessed girl, and then they get thrown into prison because of it. 
So they find themselves in a situation that they did not deserve. They did not need to be in. It's a, they were not having a great day. They're in prison, but look at what it says. Verse 25, it says this. At about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all of the doors of, uh, opened and everyone's bonds were unfastened. So the Holy Spirit just showed up. Jail broke everybody in the house. And look at this. When the jailer woke up and saw that the prison doors were opened, he drew his sword and he was about to kill himself, supposing, somebody say, whoa. He's about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried out with a loud voice, do not harm yourself, for we are all here. And the jailer called for the lights, and he rushed in trembling with fear, and he fell down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, believe in Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them that same hour of the night and washed their wounds and he, baptized, and he was baptized at once, he and all of his family. So this jailer who almost killed himself is now being saved, him and his whole entire household because of what Paul and Silas were doing. This is crazy. And look at this. Then he brought them up into his house, set the food before him, amen. And food's good, come on, somebody say amen. And he rejoiced along with his entire household that he believed in God. Y'all, this is a wild story. Wild story. Paul and Silas, they're just trying to get to a prayer meeting. They're just doing their thing, casting demons out of people, spiritual gangster stuff, getting thrown into prison, getting let out of prison by the Holy Spirit, and then saving this entire household. Like this is just your typical like Tuesday afternoon in a new t in the early church. Like crazy stuff like this happened. And from the surface of this story, uh, from the surface of it, if we don't dig any deeper, if we just take a bird's eye view at what we just read, uh, there's a takeaway that we normally take from this passage. And it's a takeaway that I normally hear preached when, when I hear pastors talk about this passage. And the message goes something like this. It's about the power of your worship. You ever heard this before? Yeah. If you haven't, the message would go something like this. Paul and Silas. Oh, goodness gracious. Paul and Silas. They found themselves in a difficult circumstance. You ever been in a difficult circumstance before? Oh man, I know I've been in a difficult, but you know what? What we learned from Paul and Silas is that even when you're in a difficult circumstance, you can praise the Lord. Come on somebody. And they were gonna praise until the breakthrough came. Come on somebody. And they were like, hey, we're gonna praise and praise until those, those prison doors open up. And what did they do? They praised in the middle of that that prison cell until the doors broke open. Here's kind of what the message is from when we take that out. It's, hey, if you're going through a difficult circumstance, if you'll just worship long enough, if you'll just praise long enough, then the circumstance is gonna change in your favor, right? Yeah. Now, I'm not, I'm not dogging on that because guess what? That's actually a really good message to learn. Like, I hope all of us learn the message that we should respond like Paul and Silas, no matter what circumstance we find ourselves in, right? Like maybe you find yourself in this circumstance where like you've done something and you're like, dude, I don't know if my parents are ever gonna forgive me or trust me for what I did. 
I'm in a really tough scenario with my family, but even in this situation, I'm still gonna worship, yeah. right? Maybe you go through a breakup. I've been through a breakup before. It is good to learn how to respond to a breakup with worship, yeah. right? Maybe uh, the very thing that you said you were never gonna do again, you did it and you feel terrible. You feel like trash. But even in that moment, you remember what Paul and Silas did in that prison cell. They chose to worship in that moment. Come on, how many of you know that's a good message? Like, that's a good message. I hope all of us learn how to respond to any situation that we face like Paul and Silas did. Uh, but here's what we gotta understand about Paul and Silas's situation. Their motivation to worship was not to see those prison doors open. Listen to me really carefully. This is really important that we get. They were not worshiping to get something. Paul and Silas were not in that prison cell. Paul wasn't like, hey, Silas, wake up, wake up. It's midnight, wake up. Hey, I bet if we just worship real hard and long enough, the Holy Spirit's gonna open these doors. That wasn't their motivation because check this out. God, cha God changed their circumstance and they didn't leave that prison cell. This is a very important detail for us to remember. God opens the prison cell door and they stay put. Why? Look at this, David Guzik says this. It would have been easy for Paul and Silas to escape thinking God provided another miraculous jailbreak. But to them, the lives of others were more important than their own personal freedom and comfort. In not escaping, they showed tremendous discernment. This is so cool. The circumstances said, escape, but love said, stay for the sake of this one soul. They were not guided by merely circumstances, but by what love compelled. Do you understand what I just read? So God opens the door. He gifts Paul and Silas with freedom, and they don't leave the prison cell. And I see this kind of mindset with believers today, especially in the culture that we live in, and I'm talking specifically Oklahoma. How many of y'all love Oklahoma? I love Oklahoma. But one of the things that we struggle with in Oklahoma is this thing called cultural Christianity. Cultural Christianity, what do I mean by that? It's not that surprising when you find out that your friend goes to church. It's not that surprising when you find out somebody maybe reads their Bible every now and then. Like we live in a culture where Christianity is pretty normal, but we also live in a culture where a lot of Christians are simply just cultural Christians. Like, they're going to church, they're doing all the things, but they haven't taken their relationship with God seriously, and here's how we know what cultural Christianity looks like. It looks like this. Cultural Christianity looks like seeing God as a means to an end. What do I mean by that? It means they think that freedom it, from difficult situations, so maybe you find yourself in a difficult situation tonight. If, if you have a cultural Christianity mindset, what, you, what your motivation is, is I want my circumstance to change, and I know that what I hear in church is that God is a tool to make my circumstance change. Wow. Are you following me? When that's our mindset, we look at this story like Paul and Silas singing in this prison, and our main takeaway from the story is that getting out of prison is the goal. And if I worship God, that's the tool. That tool is gonna get me what I want. Are you following me? So what does that look like for us? It looks like, well, I just feel so stressed with like all of this stuff going on in my life. 
So I know I don't really want to do this, but if I read my Bible and I pray, maybe that stress will go away. Now, please hear me. It is okay. I'm not saying it's bad when you feel stressed to run to God. (laughs) Definitely do that, right? But what we see in Paul and Silas is that they were free before those prison doors were broken open. They were already free. Why? Because write this down. Freedom is not the absence of difficulty. Freedom is being with God. Freedom is not the absence of a difficulty in our life. Freedom is you being with your creator. And most of the time, we think that breakthrough is freedom from the things that we don't want to face. So we're like, oh man, if I, ju- if I could just make it to summer, then I'll take my walk with God seriously. Like, oh, if I could just get that role on that baseball team, then I'll be the leader God's called me to be. But when we find from this experience is that uh, many times what happens is God will give us that breakthrough that we want. And then what we'll do is we'll go to that breakthrough and we'll leave God in the do- at the back door. So we'll get what he's given us, but we won't take God with us. In fact, we see this very thing happening when God gifts a a group of people freedom in the Bible, and it actually is the story of the children of Israel in Egypt. Now, I don't have time to read you the whole story, so I'm going to give you the Spark Notes version. Who likes them? Some Spark Notes. You didn't read your chapter at school, and you Spark Notes it, so you get the gist of it. That's what we're going to do tonight. Here's what happens. You guys are probably familiar with it, but in the book of Exodus... We've got the children of Israel. They've been, in, they've been enslaved for 400 years. That's a long time, right? And God calls a guy named Moses to free them. It, take, it takes, them a, takes God a lot of talking him into it, but he finally agrees. Long story short, Moses goes. God does all these crazy things in Egypt. Pharaoh says, okay, you guys can go. And then they are free. They receive this incredible gift of freedom. Now, you'd think that people who have just been slaves for over 400 years would be happy that they're free. You would think. But guess what? That's false. Because they get freedom, and you know what they end up doing? They end up complaining. They end up doubting. They end up hating the God who freed them. They end up taking the gold that they got to take from Egypt, a breakthrough, and turning it into an idol that they then said, this is who took us out of Egypt, not God. Somebody say, that's some messy stuff. Now, these two stories in the Bible, I'm comparing and contrasting them because look at this. Both people were gifted with freedom from God, but we see two totally different responses. We see two totally different responses. So really quickly, for the rest of our time, as we get ready to wrap up, I want to talk about what freedom can do in our life if we don't hold on to that freedom and try and do it ourselves But if you will entrust God with your summer, if you'll entrust him with the freedom you're about to receive, I think these three things are gonna happen through that. First one is this. God uses freedom to invite us into relationship. By the way, all of these start with an R because your pastor loves you, right? And that's gonna help you remember it. So God uses freedom to invite us into relationship. Somebody say relationship. In both of these stories that we're comparing tonight, God desires to use freedom as a tool to do one thing, and that's to get people to know him. It's to get people to know him. For Paul and Silas, here's the good thing. They already knew God. They already had a relationship with God. Uh, So even though they were not free in a prison cell, 
God wanted to use the freedom that he was going to give them not to get them to know God because they already knew God. They were already walking with God. But what we see God do with their story is he uses their relationship to grow the family of God. Look at this. Let's go back. Acts 16.33 says, And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds. This is the jailer. And he was baptized at once, he and all of his family. Then he brought them up into his house and set before set food before him, and he rejoiced along with his entire household that, he, that had believed in him. So students, I understand, and I'm so proud of you, that there are some of you tonight, and you are already experiencing true freedom. Here's why. That doesn't mean that your life looks perfect. It doesn't mean that you're done walking with God or done maturing. But what it does mean is I know there are some students in here who know what true freedom feels like because you walk with God. You walk with God. And here's my encouragement to you. If that's where you're at tonight, be open, be sensitive, because God wants to use your freedom to gift other people with freedom that's going to bring them into the family of God. So if you're already walking in that, be open to what the Holy Spirit wants to do. But on the other hand, what do we see with the children of Israel? They've just been freed from Egypt, from slavery. They have no clue what freedom is all about. They think that freedom is not being in Egypt. But God tells us what, the, what his idea of freedom was. Exodus 19 verse 4 says this, You yourselves have seen what I did to the, the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. So God is saying, the reason I brought you out of Egypt was this, to bring you to me. To bring you to me. Listen to me, God is saying the point of that whole thing was not so you would get out of Egypt, but so that you would be with me every day, that you would trust me every day. And here's what's so cool. I don't have too much time to get into this, but when they were in the desert, they had to trust God to provide for them every single day. So they didn't have food. They didn't bring food with them. So what did God do? It's so cool. He rains down bread from heaven every single day for 40 years. And he tells them, only take what you need for today. But what do we do? We're, we see them taking way more than what they need because they don't want to trust God for tomorrow. And what happens is the, the stuff that they took that was extra the next day ended up being rotten and ended up being filled with bugs and maggots. And here's how I think that relates to us. I think sometimes we don't trust God to provide the word, the bread of God for us personally every day. And so what we end up doing is we do this cultural Christianity thing where we come to church on Sunday and we try to stuff ourselves full with God's word and we come to church on Wednesday and we try to stuff ourselves full with God's word and hope that we can make that last until the next service. But here's my encouragement to you. God wants you to get the word. God wants you to trust him to feed you and to give you the word. And so God wants to use this freedom of summer, this freedom of time, to do this one thing mainly, and that's invite you to be in an everyday, trusting in him, kind of walking with him. God wants you to be in relationship with him. Number two, the second thing, and I wanna invite the band to come up as we get ready to close. The second thing that summer is gonna do for you that we see doing for the children of Israel is this. It's going to reveal what is really inside of us. And this is where the not fun part of freedom comes into play. Because... Freedom for the Israelites did a really powerful thing for them. It took all of the distractions away. So when they were in Egypt, they were distracted by being slaves. They were distracted by the pressures 
of Pharaoh. And when they get freed, they get this gift of freedom that actually revealed all of this stuff inside of them that looked really ugly. And it didn't look good. And I can't tell you how many times I relate to this. I can't tell you how many times before a vacation, maybe you've felt this way before. Before going on a vacation, I'm thinking, man, I just can't wait to be free from work and all this pressure and have all this extra time. I'm gonna spend so much extra time with God. I'm gonna read the word every day so much. And then by the end of the week, what rose to the surface was the fact that I made a lot more time for things like social media, things like hanging out with my friends. And for some reason, at the end of the week of my vacation, I never had time for God. But you know what that was? That was a gift of God revealing something to me that I'm not in the habit of making time for him. And here's what Summer's gonna do for you. Summer's gonna reveal some impurities in us, in our heart. Because sometimes when we are doing school, when we're doing our job, whatever your responsibilities are, when we are gifted with freedom, what happens is we have time to see what we're distracted from. And sometimes what comes up is ugly. And it doesn't look like God. It looks like the children of Israel. Maybe it looks like complaining or doubting or, or jealousy. And that comes up. But can I tell you, God doesn't reveal those things with freedom to shame us. God doesn't reveal those things to be like, man, look at how bad of a, look at how much of a hypocrite you are. That's not the point. He does it to do this last thing. And that's to refine what our focus should be. God wants to reveal those impurities so that we can be then refined. What does refining mean? Refining is the process of, remo of removing impurities. And when the Israelites in the wilderness, they're out of distraction. And in this moment, these impurities start to come up of complaining, of doubting, of idols. And God did that on purpose. He wanted that to happen so that they can then give those things to God be with him, trust him, and have a new focus. What was their new focus? Their new focus was the promised land. What's our new focus? Well, I wanna close with this, Psalm 139. David prays a dangerous prayer to God. This is my challenge to you, is to pray this prayer this, this summer. David prays, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any grievous way in me. And here's the goal to lead me in the way of everlasting. What is our way of everlasting? Here's where God is leading you. God is trying to lead you to look like Jesus. God is leading you to maturity in Christ, but we can't get there without first having those impurities come up and then God wiping those away and us giving our trust to God. New Song students, I believe God wants to take every single one of us to a deeper level this summer with our walk with Him. You might not even have a walk with Him yet, I believe God wants to start that tonight. But in order to do that, we have to put that freedom in God's hands. Because you hold on to that freedom, you try and make that freedom work yourself, it will break you. But you put that freedom in God's hands tonight and you declare tonight, I'm, God, I'm giving you my summer. God will make something out of your summer. You'll end this summer and you'll say, God spoke to me this summer. You'll end this summer and say, God did that to me. God grew me in that. I heard God's voice. I'm not the same. And so students, as we get ready to close, I want to invite you to bow your heads and close your eyes.